Welcome to another episode of Mental Conversations, a podcast focusing on positive mental health and overcoming the struggles of life. My name's Chris Sutton and I'm excited <laughs> again. Um, today I'm joined in studio by Viv, Viv Buckland. Uh, Viv is a qualified coach and NLP master practitioner at Coaching and Mentoring Services UK. Uh, we previously spoke about um, neuro-linguistic programming and now we're going to talk about perception versus reality. So good morning, Viv. Good morning, Chris. Thank you for coming back in. Um, this is one of the least... I mean, we don't. I, I never script these conversations. It's not actually possible uh, because I never have the conversation in, in advance. I try to avoid it at all costs, really, with the person that I'm going to be talking to. But usually I have quite a lot of notes in case we deviate from them. I have practically none. That's all right. I have even less than you. Right. So, but but when when we in a working environment have found ourselves in um, in meetings with um, well whoever, but fair, but generally with senior people in an organisation, I have so many times heard you say within the context of a working environment, you know, a working conversation, you say, well. I think we need to look at whether that's perception or reality. And I love it because it, it kind of... It, not, it doesn't, like, just throw people, um, but it makes people think. And because you're the person I've heard say that a lot, and I'm fascinated by perception and reality and how people looking at things differently might affect the way they think, feel, behave, um, I wanted to talk to you about it. That's all right. You're right. I do say that quite a lot. In fact, I can think about... At least another 16 occasions today when that's going to happen. So anybody that is meeting me today is, <laughs> has got a, a journey ahead of them. So what do you mean by it? Okay, um, in I don't use NLP terms a lot of the day. I just use NLP concepts a lot of the day. Um, and the map is not the territory, is a presupposition in NLP. And it confused the living daylights out of me what for a very mean? long time. Well, it... it means something different to everybody. But, but in essence, it means that the way in which you receive information from everything that you see, hear, smell, touch, feel, mm -hmm. as your brain receives that, it filters it through and it generalises, deletes and distorts it. Right. Because it can only process seven of the two million bits of information it's receiving every second. Mm -hmm. So it just dumps the rest. But as it dumps it, it deletes things out and it generalises them. So when you go to retrieve that information, even in the same moment, and project that back into the world, mm -hmm. you're doing it having already filtered it. And right. your filters will be different to mine. Okay. So we can both sit in the same meeting, and we can both see and hear the same things going on, and we can both walk out of that meeting believing that different things happened. Yeah. And we're both right. Yeah. From our perspective. And this is so. This is and this is why I wanted to talk to you about it because I. Because I, um, I don't know if I've copied it from you or if I've picked it up from you, but I certainly say these, or I talk around this subject quite a lot with, with people who I work with and people that I mentor or people that I talk to about their mental health. And, and, I, and I talk about this quite a lot. So, for example, um, some people that I work with um, that, that are in my team um, say they're nervous about presentations and giving a presentation. So we give, I give them some tips about doing a presentation, how to give a good presentation, etc., etc. But the underlying thing is that they're really nervous about it. 
And I'm like, yeah, well, what is it? What, what is it? What, what are you nervous about? Well, I'm, what if I, I'm not loud enough? What if I, uh, I've just done it, stumble over my words? <laughs> what if, what if I t- 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 trip over my words? Like, and, and I say, and I always say, yeah, well, so what if you do, you know? Um, and the underlying well, thing the other question is, what if you don't? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Look at it, you know, be positive, drive, you know, but the, well, the, the, what if you don't, Let, let's just hang on to that a second okay. because, uh, your brain. No, actually, I'll ask you a question before we can talk about it. Chris, I want you to do something for me. Mm-hmm. Can you please not think about a blue elephant? Damn it. What are you thinking about, Chris? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> no, no, I was yeah. thinking about a blue elephant. Yeah. Okay, but I really, really, really want you to not think about the blue elephant. Yeah, okay. I mean, I tried to think of a green turtle. I tried to replace it. Okay. But, but, but the blue elephant flickered there first. So what happens is your brain can process negatives, but only after it's processed the positive. So right. when, you're, when somebody says, don't trip over the cable, yeah. you first have to think about tripping over the cable yeah. to process the don't part of it. Okay. Don't forget your keys. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You're going to forget your keys. Yeah. If you say to someone, remember your keys, yeah. then they remember their keys. Uh, so there's some subtleties about the way the brain works... Which is why I flipped the question on its head that there was, well, this might happen. Well, what if it doesn't? No, I like, I like that. I like that. And I, I, I actually do use that in my own life. And in fact, more than anything, when I'm talking to my children, I do, I do that. I consciously do that. Um, NLP for kids is brilliant. They'll grow in the right way. Oh, okay. I'll have to look right, look in and look, I'll... Use that language well yeah, when they're I, at an early age. I, but I, I, do, I do think that's important. And actually, it's something that um, within that presentation example, I don't think I really have gone down that route of um, think about what you want to do rather than what you don't want to do. Um, but a lot of the pre- this presentation thing seems is about their they think they're going to make a fool of themselves, mm-hmm. and you and and then I've uh, the big bit around perception and reality that I was going to get to was I've said to them how are you going to know if you've done well, and there was one person in particular that said to me I'll know because I'll feel it. And I said okay that's great. Um, any any other way you want to do it. And they would, you know, she she eventually worked out that I was talking about ask the audience, you know, mm-hmm. how how was it received, <clears throat> get a feedback form, whatever it is, however you want to do it, but find out how people felt about it. And she said, oh no no, I don't I don't I won't need to do that. I don't want to do that. And it was that I don't want to do that. That was the key bit. And I said, but the thing is, if you're delivering a presentation, for example, the key there surely is not how you feel when you walked off, but that the people. The reason you were presenting something is because you were trying to communicate knowledge or whatever it was. Okay. If they haven't received it well, then, and this was the perception versus reality, you could go bouncing off the stage going, nailed it, and you might have 20, 30, 50, 100 people walk out the room going, what was all that about? So, you know, and yes, maybe the reality is that there will be a mixture amongst that group that left the room. But your perception of, that went brilliantly... You know, but similarly, you could flip it on its head and think, oh, I did awful because I stumbled at that point. This conversation has got no chance of going anywhere that you think it's going at the moment. Okay. <laughs> because on, as you're talking about that, <clears throat> I'm thinking about two things. One is um, uh, how we behave as managers. Yeah. So, so the, the, what you're describing is what I would term as how we behave as a manager. So 
that's checking for evidence of reality. That's the bit where somebody's nervous about the presentation. How else can you know that it's... They, they want to know that because it's going to feel. They're going to feel it. Yeah. And that's really important to them. Uh, you're wanting them to check in for third-party evidence. <clears throat> As a manager, completely agree with you. What you want them to do is to have that evidence to know that that presentation went well. Mm. But as an individual, if somebody is nervous about presentation, the first thing you want to, to get them to do is to be able to feel that they can go in and present well because they're telling you something. They're telling you that I'm going to feel that it went well mm. and I'm telling you that I feel nervous. So they're kinesthetic. Yeah, okay. Their, their, their feeling is very important to them. So if I was taking them on a journey from being nervous about presentations through to being successful about presentation, I'd start with their feeling. Ah, okay. I wouldn't start with third-party evidence. You're right, it's important, but that's only important for external success. Yes, okay. And if they want to begin the confidence ah. journey first, I, I, I'd start there. Okay. I'd start with those feelings. I knew um, I was going to learn stuff talking to you about this. <laughs> so, so, okay. so, so sometimes what we do is we... Um, sometimes you can fly into the future. Hmm. Uh, you've been a victim of I some of my it. appraisal processes. <laughs> um, but what I do quite a lot with people is to say, so take yourself to the point in time where you've absolutely nailed it, whatever it is. In this case, presentations. Take yeah. yourself to the after, after the presentation, 10 minutes after the presentation, yeah. and you're sitting there going, yes, nailed it. Mm -hmm. Okay, hang on to that feeling. What does it look like? What does it sound like? What can you hear? What can you see? What can you sense? What do you feel? Yes. And hang on to that picture mm -hmm. and keep going back to that picture and keep turning the brightness up and the colour up and making a bigger picture so that it becomes so real to you. Yes. Because your brain doesn't know the difference between reality and imagination, which is why we cry when there's sad films. Yeah, okay. Your brain doesn't separate out the fact that it isn't really real. <clears throat> so... If that happens, then take yourself to that point in the future because you're moving towards something that you've already seen and your brain is getting the idea that you've already experienced it. Can I just say there that anyone listening to this who in the past I've managed that has heard me say all that stuff before, Viv copied me, I didn't copy her. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have so, you have so just, I've been <clears throat> found out there that I've that you because you've said these those things to me before and I've then gone and and um, plagiarised them as my own to my team and said this Devil. is what you want to do. No, I think I give you credit in a lot of scenarios, but <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't so matter. Long, so long as somebody matter. comes out the other end feeling better, it doesn't matter but, who but, started that. But it's the per it's the per that personal thing actually that um, you're right. You know the the output and those people the third party um, moving away feeling that it's been well communicated to them. You know, in the delivery of a presentation, yes, that's the end goal. But if we're talking about the person and their own their their own developmental journey, then yeah, that's that's where we want to be focusing on. If you're actually like trying to help someone, so I need to give you this other example because I was speaking to someone yesterday, and um, they said to me, "I'm really nervous about this certain situation, and I'll describe it in a moment, um, and I'd really like your help with it," and. I'm really flattered when people come and ask me things like that because of like this podcast or because of things they've heard I do around mental health. But a lot of the time I'm like, I'm, I'm not an expert around this. I can give you my thoughts or tell you how I deal with it. But then I'm thinking, I don't deal with these things well. So, 
you know, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. And um, so anyway, she said, uh, this person said this to me yesterday and I went, listen to my podcast tomorrow. I said, <laughs> it won't be released for a few weeks, but I'll send it to you because I'm going to ask Viv Buckland. And she went, oh, okay, great. I'll do that. So I promised I'm going to send this to her. So okay. no pressure. <clears throat> None at all. But... Yes, I'm going to talk about a working environment, but this could be it could be anywhere. It could be any kind of setting that you're in a group of people, potentially that you're unfamiliar with. When you're in a large group, particularly, like I say, if you don't really know them, and um, you just have to say your name and your job title, or mm-hmm. who you know, or um, when I have meetings, I do like a stupid check-in and say things like, if you're a piece of cake, what flavour would you be and why? You know, I'm one of those annoying people that... But I'm try- I try and make it light-hearted. I don't want people to feel on the spot. But this one particular individual is, is pretty petrified of that situation, you know, literally turns to stone in that situation. And I'm sure you've heard this, but refers to it as creeping death. You know, I've had it before. Where I, and I've said, one of my strategies is sit next to the chair sit next to the person who's starting that because then hopefully you're going to be first you know at least you've got a chance mm-hmm. yes there's a chance you're going to be last but hopefully you're going to be first um quite often they'll go to their left is my experience so i'll quite often try and sit to the left of the person to get mine out Classic of the way anxious behavior right yeah. yeah so this so so absolutely and it's literally but just to describe the feeling you know say there's 20 people in a room and i'm i'm in position 16 you know at the beginning, as people are going around and saying their name and their job title, I'm fine. But when it gets to person 10, I feel it start, I can feel it start to rise up now, just thinking about it. Um, that anxiety starts to creep up my chest, into my throat, and then and into my... So that when it eventually gets to position, like, two before mine, I'm like, oh my god, I'm not sure I can actually say this. What's my breathing pattern? How am I doing? I'm going to... I'm going to have to take a breath between between Chris and Sutton. This that's going to look stupid. Like, and these are the things that. <laughs> wow, fly. you do anxiety really well. You've been practicing a like, long time, Chris. Like there is there is one thing in life I do well, and that's it. Um, but I, but so when it does get to me, it eventually comes to me, and I go, "My name's Chris Sutton." Well, that's what it sounds like that comes out of my mouth, and I'm like, "Oh, well, I look like a tool, don't I?" You know, and then and it moves on, and the anxiety subsides and things. But this person's the same. Mm-hmm. She, and she didn't know that about me, but she'd said to me, what do I do? Because I'm going to go to this meeting and I know that's going to happen. I'm going to be in a room full of people. I'll know a couple of them, but I know they're going to ask everyone to introduce themselves. Once the meeting started, I'm probably going to be fine. So it's very specific. Mm-hmm. But what, are, what can we do to help that person? All right. One of the reasons that check-in exists that 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 introduction exists is because the anxiety is often about the first thing that you have to say and once you've spoken Mm. then often the rest of the meeting is easier because you've got that first thing that you've said out of the way okay uh so i understand the anxiety that goes with that and the really positive thing is that's quite normal Mm-hmm. And once you've got that out of the way, the rest of the meeting is going to be better because it was just that first word that was hard. Yeah. And that's why check-in obviously, obviously involves your name. Mm. Uh, partly it's an introduction, but it's the one thing that you know. Yeah. I mean, above all other things, you tend to know your name. Yeah. Uh, and if nobody else knows you and you give a different name, that's not going to matter really, is it? Because nobody else knew. So that yeah. was okay. okay. Uh, it's the sort of thing that you mostly can't get wrong unless you really try hard. <laughs> and you'd have to try really, really hard. Um, there are strategies you can do in advance one would be to speak to the chair and say 
I'm actually quite nervous about this. I know that might sound strange to you, but I am nervous about this. Could I go first? Yeah. Okay. Would you mind coming to me first? Yeah. Uh, because apart from anything, you've just spoken to the chair, you've made one more connection, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got somebody else in the room who understands how you feel. Yeah. That might help. It might be something you don't want to do. You can think about... Um, there's a number of things that you can do sort of in advance about bolstering your confidence. Um, but actually, you touched on something quite accidentally and in, 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 a, in an odd context, but it's breathing. Mm-hmm. So having that mindful breathing right if you are waiting for your turn to come round rather than focusing on what am i going to say mm-hmm. focus on your breathing right so that's a good idea i like breathe that. in through your nose for 6 seconds and then breathe out through your mouth for 6 seconds and just do that for a few minutes or do that half a dozen times while you're waiting for it to come round. But instead of focusing on the thing that you're dreading, focus on something else that you can do well. Right. Uh, and for however many years you've been alive, you've been breathing. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's something else that you know how to do mm-hmm. well. Focusing on what you want and not what you dread is really helpful. Uh, because going back to tripping over a cable, we've talked about tripping over a cable before. Uh, if you... So don't trip over that cable. Mm. The most likely thing you can do is trip over the cable because you have to process the positive before you process the negative. Yeah. Um, we get what we're looking for in life. Yes. I, I, and I, if you're looking for anxiety, you're going to get it. I, if you're I, looking to say your name with confidence, then there'll be occasions. Think about all the occasions when you have done that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I, I think... You saying that? I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast. I mean, that 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 is that's really helpful. I th- I'm, I really hope that um, lots of people get get some some benefit from that. I mean, I certainly have. I, that that to me is a is a really good point. That the focusing on what you want to happen, not what you don't want to happen, it does translate across loads of different. Um, situations in life doesn't it and that I hadn't I hadn't actually thought of that because funnily enough a couple of the things you said I mentioned to have talked to the chair mm-hmm. first um but but I hadn't thought of that you know getting to try and get into that state of mind where you're actually thinking what you do want to do and and try and put out of your mind what you you know the, the kind of thing you, you don't well you could go back to thinking about um blue skies and 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 green trees and lambs frolicking through the field yeah why on earth would you focus on giving your name? You, you can do that. Yeah. You've done it so many times in life. Yeah. But you know that you can do that. Well, You're just worrying about that situation. So it, no, it's, it's, good. I mean, it's, it's good advice. I mean, I, the, the thing that made... I was actually saying to the... Um, I was trying to uh, not make light of it, but as is my way, I was trying to make, um, make it fun. And I was saying, well, actually, when you look around the room, there's quite a lot of people that are in a similar position. You can see that people are uncomfortable. That's right. You know, and I was saying, look, have you ever seen those people that they're either writing something or if they've got a laptop open, they're tap-tapping away and it gets to them and they go, oh, sorry, is it me? And then they say their name. I'm like, those people are the oh, same. They're hiding. Because they're hi- they, are. they are hiding behind. They're like trying, you know, they're, they're trying to be, they're, they're trying to be nonchalant, mm-hmm. you know, when they're clear. So that to me depicts, you know, shows actually they're not feeling that level of confidence and my point wasn't around that wasn't ha look at them it was you know you're not the only one so don't worry about it you know people get it 
but you know that that's really helpful advice anyway you, actually you said something to me before uh, I think it was in our previous conversation where when you've got somebody who comes in who's really confident it leaves you feeling a bit anxious mm. and possibly the person that you're talking about is thinking well everybody else in this room is really confident and that's what's yes. leaving me feeling anxious yeah and yet you know that the behaviour changes when somebody comes into the room and they appear nervous. Mm. So just look around the room and, and recognise that some of those people will be feeling more fear than you. Yes. And what you need to do is maybe step up to the plate and show them that even when you're nervous and even when you're anxious, actually you can still do this. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're, you're doing that on behalf of someone else. And it's, and it's that, and it is, you know, perception. It's just perception, isn't it? And you... You know, it's the it's the filter you live your life through. It's the is you can't see what someone else is thinking. You're only perceiving what you think. Oh, mind thinking. reading goes yeah. on such a lot. So, so you know, like if so, so when this lady's going to be sitting in this in this meeting, um, I was I said to her, you, you you don't know what these other people are thinking. You, no. you see that you see them as these like ten. Roman gladiators, all strong and and you're the one. Oh, I'm tiny and weak and I can't do it. That's just not it. You know, that's 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 not what's happening. So you know, change that. I want to move on though because um, we've we've only got about ten minutes left. Um, I wanted to ask you a similar thing, but so I really like the thing around um, likes the wrong word when you're talking about anxiety and depression. But the anxiety is when you're is looking at the future, yeah, and depression is looking at the past. Mm -hmm. So to flip it and look at depression for a minute, mm -hmm. um, if someone is ruminating and can't get away from that thing, you know that is that they that they're saying is bringing them down. In term, in a, what's your view in the kind of perception reality world of that? If that makes sense as a question. Wow, um, perception and reality about depression. <clears throat> it's. Uh, I think it, when you're talking to somebody, whether it's ang about anxiety or it's about depression, um, from my perspective, it's lots of questions. It's lots of the questions that are understanding what's enabled you to reach that particular perception. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I think there's different levels of, of depression. What I wouldn't want to get into is that a whole realm of very clinical depression mm -hmm. uh, but lots of people feel low and are undepressed and they dwell on the past yes uh, that's uh, what I'm talking about really. yeah. so as is the, is they're dwelling on the past they are seeing that situation only through their own filters mm -hmm. <clears throat> looking at it through somebody else's eyes on that same situation so so people become I can't I, I can't get out of this situation I'm stuck uh, I've got too many debts, I, my relationships have broken down, all of these things have happened to me. And it's very indicative of being on the effect side of life. These things have happened mm. and, and woe is me because these things have happened. Well, things happen all the time. It's, ha it's our response to it that makes the difference. And when you're feeling depressed, your response to it is there is no control and there is no choice. Mm. What we try to do in coaching and in NLP is to restore choice. So we try to restore that sense that there is another way to look at it. Okay, and yes. it's, it's pulling out different realities, how somebody else could look at it. Um, you touched on something you, you, about it's always quite easy to give advice to somebody else, mm -hmm. but actually following that same advice yourself is so, so much harder. Yeah, it is. Uh, and most people find that. So giving advice to somebody who is suffering with depression is not very helpful at all. 
what you need to do is to allow them to find more choices that they feel can exist for them. Mm. Uh, and part of that is about exploring who else might see this situation differently, how they can see the situation differently if they choose to. And a, and a question we often ask is, uh, what would your best friend tell you to do? Yeah. What would uh, your manager suggest? If all of these things were different, how else could you behave? If you didn't believe that, what else could you do? And it's, it's really about restoring choice to someone because quite often in depression you feel there is no choice. And that, that's one of the key things, I think, is because you do, that is how you feel. You're right. You do think, mm. I am stuck in this rut. I can't do anything about it. I'm, no one can help me. Um, I can't think differently. And I think sometimes, and, and this is very personal to me, but sometimes if I am having a bad day and mm. I am feeling really down, one of the things that does actually help me to come out of it a little bit is is the memory that I haven't always felt like this. I mean, yes. I mean, I there don't is mean, an I, alternative. Yeah, and I don't choice. mean haven't as in yeah. at some point in my life <clears throat> previously. I just mean on a day-to-day basis, I don't always feel like this. Mm. So, so I know this is going to go away again at some point. I know this is horrible and I don't like it, but I know it's. I know something else is going to come along eventually. And then it's, you know, it's not even, I was going to say it's cyclical, it's not, it's, you know, sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that. Um, But the other thing there, uh, prompting my own point really, but I just mentioned memories. And I think memories are kind of a weird thing as well, because that's... You can change memories. And Oh, oh, I wasn't thinking that, but (laughs) I I want to talk about that. But no, I was thinking the fact that you... um, that, that memories so I don't know if you go on holiday and you take loads of pictures you know five years later five months later you know your memories become revolve around those pictures that you took mm. rather than if you hadn't taken any pictures your memories might be completely different but you then you form those memories around that visual thing that you've taken a snapshot and, in time and, and pictures in uh, NLP are really important because yeah. they use pictures to change belief yeah. um, and to ch- change that disturb to disrupt that belief that you have uh, yeah. and change it into a more positive and constructive belief, which is, which is sort of where they, you can change memories. Uh, memories come up through, in this example, a picture. You'll, you'll visualise something. And actually by changing the picture, changing it from moving to still, from black and white to colour, from moving it to panoramic frame, nearer, further, you can change the feelings that you associate with uh, so given memories uh, I, I, when I was learning NLP there was a, a lady and it was absolutely marvellous she wanted to stop liking biscuits uh, in a particular context in the staff room mm-hmm. uh, because always if she went into the staff room she always had biscuits and she wanted to stop eating the biscuits she yeah. wanted to not like them anymore Okay. Uh, and purely through taking the picture of biscuits and a picture of something that she really didn't want to eat and turning one picture into the other she stopped eating the biscuits out of the tin. Really? It took 10 minutes. Really? So the, the idea that you can change something, uh, I think when you're feeling depressed, there is no sense that you can change. Uh, so it, it may be a slow, slower journey. Yeah. But there are lots of little things. And once you understand you can change the little things, 
then you realise you can change the bigger things too. Right. But restoring choice is so fundamental. And understanding the connection between your thoughts and your body. So your body's eavesdropping on yeah. every thought that your mind has. So if you've got a lot of negative thoughts, then your body's reflecting that. Yeah. Actually, it works the other way. If you change your uh, stance and your body language, if you stand upright and you wave your arms in the air and shout, woo, 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 uh, it's really quite hard to feel depressed at yes, the same time. Yes, we've done that in a session. You yeah, made me do that. that I enjoyed session, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I, and in fact, I think that's there is something around power poses. You know, that people have said to me, if you go into an interview or if you can do a presentation or basically any situation you want to improve your confidence. I've just done it then. I've just gone from sitting back <laughs> I didn't like to, to sitting to sitting forward and my shoulders have got bigger. And... It's a shame it's not a video cast, this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I'm speaking uh, louder and... And why? Because you've just moved your shoulders uh, yeah. and your body language and you're breathing differently. So, uh, and it's it, really simple, isn't it? It is. And, and everyone I, can do it. And, and the trick the for me, the trick for me personally, and I don't know if other people feel this as well, but is that I, I forget to do this. You know, it's remembering. Yep. It's so creating you, but, that new habit. <clears throat> that's it. Because you slip back into that, oh, I feel bad, oh, yep. feel small and weak and it's going to go and, wrong. And a, and a question to ask yourself is, what's that doing for you? Yeah. Why are you choosing that? Why, yeah. why do you... There's something about feeling unhappy yeah. that you're choosing. Yes, I've heard you say that before. And that's, I think maybe we'll talk about that on, a, on another podcast because we've, we've, we've come to the end again. But um, I, do think, I do think there's, there's something in the fact that you can make a difference. And the whole perception versus reality and thinking, this is my life. This is me being miserable. I don't like it here in this situation. I'm feeling bad. I think that knowledge that there is something else and the knowledge that actually these are your thoughts. These are your thoughts that are happening. Um, what's the guy's name? Eckhart Tolle, is it? And he's saying about, um, you know, step back and watch your thoughts like a train going past and that that's not you. That's just your thoughts. You yeah. are the, you're the observer. And, you know, again, I like that's something that is really helpful if you're meditating. And so, you know, if you are feeling down and you are feeling, um, you know, there's no way out of this, then there is. That's, I guess that's my message is, you know, there is, you're not necessarily in reality. You're actually, it's the way you're perceiving a situation. It's the way you're responding to a reality. And back to that, thoughts, your thoughts aren't you. Mm. And as a thought pops into your head, question whether or not it's helpful before you choose to accept it. Yeah. So if it's not helpful, well, just dismiss it. Yeah. You don't have to choose to accept it. I love listening to you because it sounds so easy. You feel like that... that it is with practice. And, yeah. And things take practice. Um, that has worked for me, though. That, that has worked for me in situations where I've thought, okay, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose not to think this way making that conscious choice yeah. is actually really critical to to how you feel um you can choose how you feel it takes practice but as soon as you realize it's a conscious choice that you're making yeah most of your choices are being made unconsciously because mm -hmm. that's what your unconscious does it serves a purpose and it runs your life for you yeah you have to choose to change and that thing about you saying you are not your thoughts you know it is so powerful that because if you realise that, 
then you can do something about it, can't you? You can yeah, sometimes you help make help. that choice. And there are plenty of people out there that can help yeah. um, in all sorts of different ways. And other times you can make some of those changes for yourself. But, but there, are there, there are people to help. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, get any help that you can, get any help that you need. It's, you know, it's fine. It's fine to... to but one of the things that I've all, I kind of realised in my kind of way through looking at my own mental health has, has been that I definitely think when I started out that either through medication or finding the right person, the right therapist, you know, they would fix me. The medication would fix me. And the, you fix you. They yeah. just guide you. And that and that's the takeaway message, really, because that's that is where I I came to that conclusion. Maybe people told me that, but I wasn't really listening. But even if I was listening, it was certainly more powerful when I realised it myself. Yeah. So that's I, when change really occurs. So I was like, wow, actually, this yeah, it doesn't matter how many times I go and see this person, this therapist, that therapist, that ain't going to change me. I, it's what I do so once you accept responsibility for yourself if you take the responsibility for that change then what you'll find is people are there to help you Yeah. but while ever you assume that it's somebody else's responsibility for how you feel yeah. you'll always feel as you do and I'll finish with that because it is that thing you know, take on the responsibility yourself I know it's hard, I know it's hard to hear um, and you, think, you might think I can't do it but you can so, you know, take that away that actually focus on something yourself. Um, use the things that other people are able to guide you with and help you with. But, you know, put in that time. Do the homework when you go between sessions. Don't think, oh, I won't bother. I'll, I'll just carry on being fixed next week when I go back. Um, <laughs> which I did when I first started CBT. I was like, oh, I can't be bothered with that. Um, anyway, um, Viv, thank you so much for coming in again. Um, it's, been it's been brilliant talking to you. And thank you, you guys out there, for listening, as always. Um, follow me on Twitter, at Mental Conversations, uh, well, it's at Mental Coms. Uh, and another episode of Mental Conversations will be winging its way to you soon. Thanks, Viv.